This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Counter Narrative Podcast, a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education. By sharing stories of successes and triumphs, we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations. I'm your host, Charles Williams, an urban educator for more than 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, an educational consultant, an equity advocate, and the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office. Let's get started. In this episode, I chat with Barbara Bray, a coach, teacher, writer, disruptor, risk taker, learning designer, connector, and visionary. She calls herself a creative learning strategist, where others call her a change maker. Her dream long ago was to create an online place for educators that was safe and secure with all the tools and resources in one place. She did it with My eCoach back in 1999, way before there was a Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or Pinterest. Barbara is what some would call a digital pioneer. With her coaching background and an amazing team, they created coaching and mentoring strategies and processes that have been adopted in schools and districts in the United States and other countries. Barbara coined the phrase, making learning personal in 2000 and trademarked it in 2002. In 2004, she started her Rethinking Learning blog in My eCoach, and in 2010, she moved that blog to barbarabray.net. In 2017, she launched the Rethinking Learning podcast and published Define Your Why in 2020. During our conversation, we explored the treatment of teachers and how it has impacted the field of education. From teacher recruitment to teacher retention, we discussed common practices and their effectiveness in improving our schools. Barbara talked about the often distant school board members and recommended that they spend time in the schools for which they are making decisions. She shared how passion projects not only improved teacher and student investment, but also provided a window into what is happening within our schools. Ready to hear more from this educational guru? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Counter Narrative Podcast. So excited, as always, for you to be in this space with me and the guests that we have on this show. If you are returning, thank you so much for continuing to listen and tuning in. If this is your first episode, I guarantee you are going to enjoy the conversation that we have today. And if you find yourself doing so, please make sure that you check us out wherever it is that you're listening and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. So as I mentioned in a previous episode, I am focusing on some of the powerful women 
uh, for the month of March. Uh, this episode is dropping in the month of March if you are listening to it live. And I wanted to find some amazing individuals. And so I have been honored to connect with one of like the edu celebrities in our edu spaces. And I cannot wait to dive into this conversation with her. We've shared some spaces in the Twitterverse. We've shared a show together and we are now merging over into this space. And I know that it will not be our last. So on today's episode, we have the one, the only Barbara (laughs) Bray. Barbara, how are you today? Well, I'm kind of like blushing right now. This is cool. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I feel really special being here. Thank you. Well, you you are special, not just not because you're on the show, like you that came just from you being you. The show oh. is a little more special for having you on. So thank you for being here. Oh, well, this is an honor. And I can't wait to jump into some of our conversations that we had before we started recording. <laughs> Yeah, it's always you know it's it's always funny when you have those like pre conversations. You mm-hmm. you're like, man, we should have been recording then. But you know, I'm I'm sure that there's no shortage of, of ideas and, and conversations. Um, but before before we jump in, because I'm sure somehow, some way, there might be someone saying, "Wait, Barbara, who who is this?" Like, <laughs> and and if you do, like, you you really need uh, to get into the Twitterverse and follow this person. But Barbara, I'm going to ask that you. Introduce yourself. Talk a little bit about who you are. I know that you have an amazing story. Um, so if you talk a little bit about you know where you're at now, how you got there, and then one of the things I always ask guests is if you could share something about yourself that maybe not a lot of people know. Oh, well, my cat's just coming in right now, so <laughs> I might have to jump up and get my cat out. I have... Um, I've been working in education for over 30 years. Since the beginning, I've been wanting to transform it. I was reading uh, Paula Freire's work and even Ilyich and others who were saying that our system isn't working. And I said, no, I can make it work. <laughs> so Charles, I, I, um, I as a teacher, I ended up writing grants so I could do projects in the schools. Mm-hmm. And um, the f- most fun with that, they were project-based. It was around technology when it was first coming out. And um, what kids could do was amazing. It, we had the opportunity to do that. We were more creative like 20, 30 years ago until um, I'm going to be kind of rough on the edges, but when Not- No Child Left Behind came in, that's when I said, I got to do something here. So I was the kind of person like School of Rock, you know, mm-hmm, like, remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Um, we had to make sure that all the teachers were on page 262 on Thursday. Oh, and I was okay. the kind that said, let's figure out how we can do this around this so you guys could do what you want to do with the t- kids because you're so amazing. You teachers are so amazing. And I was the kind that we would have a bell, a certain bell, and then they'd put up the <laughs> put up the bulletin board over what they were doing and, you know, like a fake one. <laughs> <laughs> and we had apples all in a like a triangle. <laughs> we were terrible. No, I, mean, I love the- it. I love it. It's, it's rebellious <laughs> teaching, but it's well, like, I it's was good yeah. trouble. Good trouble. 
I was that good trouble that John Lewis was talking about. I was a, you know, protester and everything. I grew up in Washington, outside of Washington, D.C. during the civil rights movement. So I have some background in that. And I, um, and then my mother was a reporter. So I was around a lot of uh, journalists who, you know, would kind of challenge me and challenge my thinking. So there's a, you know, the background of me goes deep because I'm really old. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just imagine it, it, it's hilarious that you're saying this because, you know, I immediately think of like, the, you know, the whole like Mr. Clark, like take the chains off the doors, but you're like, spruce it up. Like don't cover up our rebellious <laughs> teaching that is actually phenomenal for the kids. Well, I used to go around and do PD in Oakland uh, school district out here in San Francisco Bay area. And I, there, there's one experience I had that was really funny. I taught video and uh, when we had the big cameras and, you know, it was different than I taught claymation, things like that. Okay. And I was working at this one middle school and um, every place I worked in Oakland was like high poverty area. And uh, everyone was worried that I was going to get hurt. And I said, no one's going to ever hurt me. They're just love. No, I won't let it happen. And I remember being working really late. And somehow I got locked in the building. And they had the chains on it and everything. And the pr principal came and said, you know, I'm I'm going to get you out of here. So he opened the, at the, he got the doors open because he had to leave also. But the the gates were all closed except one big hole in the fence, and he helped me climb through the hole. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that. That was my life. I I was the kind that wanted a computer class. You know, like a, they said, Barbara start a computer class in this elementary school, and there was no room except this gigantic class uh, closet. And so we just the principal and I and the uh, custodian and we just tore everything apart, took the door, took a wall out and put a door. So there was two doors and we made it and we made it work. I mean, it's like we didn't get a permission. So shh, I won't tell you the school, <laughs> um, but that's who I am. I'm the kind of person who said, this is for the kids and these are amazing teachers and we have to celebrate who we are. And I just did it. And when I became a consultant, I figured, ah, they can't fire me. They can say we can't come back here. But um, that's kind of how I, that's some of the stories. I have others. I'm sure, I'm <laughs> sure. And, and I love it. I love the, you know, kind of the rebelliousness there. And, and I can only imagine having such a background and spending so much time in education. You know, there are things even today that you're just like, that's not okay. Right. I'm not OK with this. I, I don't agree with it. And so, you know, this is why I wanted to bring you on. And let's like let's just dive into a conversation and have a real, real chat about pushing back on something. So I know prior to the, the, the discussion, you're throwing some ideas out there and I'm curious where you want to start off. Oh, gosh, there's so much I'm upset about right now. <laughs> um, well, I want teachers to be valued and respected. I'm really, it's really bothering me what's going on mm. with that. Agreed. And I, and they want to leave the profession. Since I have my podcast and I wrote, a, you know, several books um, and I, you know, I'm on social media, a lot of teachers reach out to me saying 
they really don't want to stay in the profession anymore and they're really good. And I'm, I'm, I want us to figure out a way to stop this and build back. So teachers are the, treated like the professionals they deserve to be treated as, and they're paid like they should be. I mean, we're, it's just really upsetting to me that that's one of them. I got a lot, but that's one. <laughs> you know, I, I, I absolutely agree. It's, it's interesting because within the last, I don't know, maybe week or two. Um, so I sit on the board uh, at Purdue for the College of Humanities, Education, Science and Social Sciences. They call it the chess board. Uh, oh. And primarily work with obviously the education department because that's kind of what I do. Um, and one of the things that we talked about was that, right? The, the idea that not many people are coming into the school of education. And so there were questions about like, well, how do we, how do we promote that? Right. And I, and I say that because today I received an email that within the Chicago public schools, uh, you know, we have these pipelines. So we're encouraging seniors to pursue education degrees in the, in college and there's all sorts of incentives, right? Scholarships and, and, and coverages. And so it's great, right? We're, we're having these ideas about like, how do we get students and people into the field? Because we're seeing this, right? People are leaving. But on one of the shows that I've had, and somebody said, well, we're, we're spending all this time, all this energy, all this effort into how do we attract teachers, right? But why are we not spending that same amount of time, effort, energy into retaining our teachers, right? Bringing new people in and not fixing those foundational issues, those systemic issues that are pushing teachers out, that's not going to resolve the problem because you're just going to bring them in if you're successful and they're going to do the exact same thing. They're going to leave. So, you know, it's it's not maybe one or the other. And so I, I absolutely agree with you. It's I worry about the future of our field if we don't get this thing figured out. Well, you said two things. One is how to retain them, right? The other, you you kind of touched on something that just had my brain going there for a minute. It, you know how future farmers of America, you, they have that in the school, in some schools in the um, rural areas. Sure, sure. We, we need to start when when someone in um 10th grade or you know middle school has an interest in education why can't we start programs that do apprenticeships and uh job shadowing and internships as part of the curriculum so they can actually see what's going on in the classroom and work with a um you know job shadow at least and get an idea if this is what i want and there's a program called Educators Rising. They developed um, five micro-credentials for high school students that are interested in going into education. What if we start enveloping these micro-credentials in high school earlier? Why do we wait? So I want to take that approach for trying to... Um, show how exciting this profession is. It, it, If I had seen it earlier, I probably would have jumped in earlier. You know, Barbara, I, I, I agree. You know, there, there are a ton of programs. Uh, you know, there's like the Call Me Mister, uh, which is specifically designed to in, increase the number of black male educators, right? Which we know makes up about mm. 2% of, of the teaching force. And 
I, I'm curious, right? If we don't address some of those, those those roots, right? I mean, think about how many of our teachers are sitting in spaces right now and they're fussing about not being paid, which in absolutely they all they have all rights to do and teach students see this, right? They are like I can't I, I imagine that scene, remember from Breaking Bad, where the kid pulls up and, and Walter White is like washing the car. Right. And it's like, oh, oh yeah. there's my teacher. Right. And so imagine, you know, seeing your teacher working a second job or your teacher's exhausted because they're working another job. Like as a child, right, sitting there like I would think that's not the life I want. Right. I don't want to go to college mm-hmm. and spend, you know, four years and then this is going to be my life. And so I, I absolutely agree with you about having these programs. But I'm wondering, like, how do we make the field a bit more glamorous, right? And it doesn't have to oh, be, yeah. you know, all lights and shining stars and millionaire status. It would be nice. But like, how do we make it to the point where what we're seeing every day, because that is the ultimate recruitment tool that they're like, yes, right. This is what I want to do because, hey, my teacher is able to provide for their family. My teacher is happy. My teacher is able to, you know, explore passions and interests outside of like, I think those are the things that drive people towards those career choices. And unfortunately, for most of us, if I was sitting in a classroom and I saw the things that I'm seeing, I would definitely be second guessing, right, going into that field. And so those programs are nice, but there's 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 more that needs to be done, I think, in my yeah. humble opinion. No, I agree. I agree. I I, you know, I'm starting, my brain is trying to think of some things that we could do, but the, the issue is how schools are funded right now. Yep. And it's Here because go, in yeah. California, it's by property tax, which unfortunately, if you live in a poor area and you're title one and you do have um, restrictions and there's things that aren't happening. So more and more. Uh, urban schools um, and districts are setting, you'll find more charter schools and mm-hmm, you'll find mm-hmm. a push for private schools with voucher systems, which is, it's like we're, we're getting a bigger divide. And we, wh- what I found is the teachers I worked in the, um, in the title one schools, m- many of them were just brilliant. But some of them came in and said, this is going to be only my job for two years, and then I'm going to get a real job. And I, it just blew me away when they said that. So we, like you said, how do we make it a real job that is treated with respect and valued? And everybody's talking about that teacher who is doing this and those kids that are doing that. And it's all over the papers and the, and the news and the... You know what I mean? It's all over the internet. We're shining and and excited about what's happening in those schools. I, my thing was to start a podcast to talk about these amazing educators like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you know, and uh, but it's amazing how that those stories are not getting out there. We just need to get them out there, but we also need to reward people for what they're doing and pay them well. And here's an issue in in California is the problem is the cost of living here. 
It's just ridiculous. So we need to provide opportunities for um, affordable housing for educators. I mean, there's so many things that I, I see. I just don't know how they're going to do it. You know, it, it's it's interesting because, I mean, you, you touched on a few things there, right? And and so property taxes, right? And, and, and I just want to say this because I, if you know this, that's great. But I don't know how many times I've spoken to educators who had no idea that our schools are funded, you know, off property taxes in most areas, if not all. Right. And so there is this huge disparity in, in how much money schools are receiving um, on a foundational base level. And one of the mm-hmm. things that irritate me, and, and you touched on this, is that people chime in and say, well, yeah, but there's federal funding, right? Like Title I, that evens that out. So you're going to get the same amount of money as this other school. And I said, well, there, there's a difference. When you have money, right, that is coming in from those taxes, there, there's there's a lot more freedom in how you utilize those funds, right? As you mentioned, when it is federal funding, that Title I grants and so on, there are so many restrictions, so many like loopholes and, and, and hoops that you have to jump through in order to say, hey, this is how I plan to spend the money. This is how I spent the money. This is right. It, it, Many times the things that you need, you have to get very, very creative. I I, I remember growing up, uh, so I went to school in in Hammond, uh, and Hammond at the time was there, you know, there was much of it was Title I. I think now it is completely Title I. And right across this little creek uh, was a town called Munster. And I remember at one point, Hammond had a, a, a deficit of funding. While Munster, the neighbor, had a surplus, a a massive surplus, right? At the end of the year, they were like, we have all this extra funding, right? Must be a a Mm -hmm. wonderful problem to have. And and Hammond kind of was like, hey, could you like maybe help us out, right? You have a surplus. We have a deficit. We're neighbors, right? The education that we provide our students impacts your community as well. And they said, you know, what we need to do is we need to build a natatorium, not a pool. But like a natatorium. And so they built this entire aquatic center, whereas our our schools didn't even really have pools, right? And so there's this huge difference, right? You can't build a pool with Title I money. like, And so the idea that, well, no, it's okay because we even things out, like it, it, it isn't okay. And you're, you're absolutely right. Then it, those situations in those schools, right, they begin then to attract you know, it's teachers who who may not get a job in someplace else, or they are utilized as uh, incentives, right? Well, if you work in a Title I school, we'll forgive X amount of money or we'll pay for your schooling if you, right? It's, mm-hmm. and you're right, then it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't look, it's not treated as if it's an actual job, but instead kind of a chore, right? That you need to get through in order to be go off and become a quote, real teacher. There's a lot of sarcasm and finger, finger quotes. I hate that. I just, I mean, I've, like I said, I worked in multiple schools in um, different districts. Um, But the ones that those kids really wanted to learn, the ones that were, and I'm not going to say entitled, I mean, these are kids that were, I'm going to say impoverished. They didn't have resources, so they needed support. They didn't have, uh, the, the young young ones 
needed the free lunch program. I mean, there's a lot of things that the public schools had done, do for um, that marginalized students and, and families. So it they really appreciated it, it where I went. And I, I thought, I want to work in these schools. I want to find, help the teachers. But there was limited, like you said, limited resources. And uh, that's where I got in trouble. I found resources. <laughs> hmm. um, you know, I put on showcases at the district office. And I felt like if we got to let everybody know what's going on here, these kids are amazing. And they have it. If we can show that here's, a, you know, the, these children that didn't have the opportunities that maybe the um, in some of the other schools, but they could do so much if we give them the, you know, that the time, the opportunity, the resources and show it off. And so that's what we did. We, we put on a showcase every year and we were lucky. That was money that came out of a grant. And I think that's the one things we have to do. So Barbara, I, I want to ask, like, you know, the conversation that we're having now, it's not a new conversation, right? No. I mean, the idea mm -hmm. about how we treat teachers, how teachers are being treated. And I'll say this, right? There, there was a hope for a moment. Like, I don't know if you remember like three years ago for a while, teachers were like the most glorified people on the planet. Right. Like during at the at the onset of the pandemic, I mean, teachers were being praised and lauded and oh, my God, they're so amazing. And I think most of it was because like now parents were trying to do what we do right with their kids at home. And yeah. They're like, oh, my God, how, how do parents do this? I mean, teachers do this. But it was an amazing time where I think teachers for a for a brief, brief moment got the the respect and attention that they deserved. And then like this, right. It, it, it got turned around, you know, suddenly they, they were mm. the, the, the victims again, the martyrs, the, the oppressors because, Oh, like they don't want to go back to work and they don't care. And they don't like, we were the reason like the, the country couldn't reopen and, and all of these horrible things. And, and it kind of has gone back, right. We're, we're back in this place where for some reason, we are in a profession that is not as valued as it should be. And, and I'm curious if you have any ideas or insights uh, or just thoughts maybe as to like, why is that? Why do we take this profession, right? The profession that creates all other professions hmm. and we so undervalue it. I think there's a misconceptions of it. It depends on how, what it was like when you were, you know, going to school and, um, and also you might have, it depends on where you live too. If you're in a rural area and you don't, and you have a community school, you might know everyone in the, in the city or town and, um, it might be different than living in the city. So I think it, it depends on, uh, a lot of things, including politics. I mean, there's some of the things that I'm concerned. Well, one thing there's been a change in, in how school boards work and there's, they have a lot more control of curriculum when they are not supposed to have control of curriculum. And so what's happening is a lot of teachers are mandated to do things they don't believe in. 
does that mm. you know like they're banning yeah, books no, there yeah. and but they're they're asked like when no child left behind came and they were told to follow a script and when teachers were very creative before it was really they felt like what's going on here don't i have i'm a brain i'm the one that went to school i know what i'm doing <laughs> exactly, you know that yeah, kind yeah. of thing and so i think that i my concern is is i want to get the right people on the school boards again I mean, I feel like it's gotten out of control a little bit in some areas and school school boards really, they're in control of um, who they hire and the budget and um, kind of they're supposed to follow along with and um, reach the goals of the mission and, vi- you know, and vision of the district or the schools. But sometimes they take it a little bit farther and where they're not supposed to go. I don't know how much you can change something unless you can change the policies at the top. Mm -hmm. And also the community only knows what they're hearing. So how do we change what uh, information gets out to the community about what's going on in the schools? Because if they go to a school board meeting and there's people are fighting and they're not working together, they're going to think it's really terrible there. You see, it's like, I mean, I did some work with Pinellas County Schools in Tampa, okay. and we did six, six-week projects around science topics, and one was water. Um, and I remember every group, we had 109 teachers with 39 mentors, and what was fun is they had to work with three different grade levels. So um, I think, oh, the weather one, it was kindergarten, sixth grade, and 10th grade. And they ended up div- creating a weather station. Um, they It's a very big district, 100,000 kids in Tampa area. And um, the weather is a big thing there. <laughs> and um, they also had a, a TV station. So the kindergartners were going to run the weather report every week. And the uh, 10th graders would help the see the it was like they were all helping each other. Mm-hmm. So what they did is they broadcasted it on regular TV. So everybody could see what the kids were doing. Oh, that's awesome. And another group worked with the water department and the water department asked them to create a pamphlet to put into the into the water bill. So they could actually see that kids were learning and it was exciting and the kids were excited about it. So I think we need to build in more community partnerships and get people talking about what's going on in the classrooms that is good. You see right now it's, I've heard from a lot of people, in fact, I see on TV some school board meetings where they're, they're just fighting. You know what I mean? It's not good. We got to, we got to change the narrative. Is that, isn't that the name of your, <laughs> I was going to say that that sounds a little familiar and but, but I, I I agree with you. You know, I when we when we see certain things, right? When when it's being promoted and that's the only thing that's being promoted. It's very hard to have a very I guess thorough and comprehensive understanding or an image of the reality of the situation. And 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 you're absolutely right. If 
you know, it goes back to that idea of you you need to tell your story because if you're not, someone else is. Like your story is being told <laughs> one way or the other. It, you have to decide who's who's going to be, you know, telling that narrative. And I, and I can say that as as a micro system, right? Within my building now, when something bad happens, the news is all over it, right? When we unfortunately had a child who was a victim of gun violence, right? News was all over it. And and we got very upset because we said, hey, look, we just had a men's health fair here, um, you know, because we recognized, um, you know, in November, right? The, you know, we focus on like men's health and, you know, the issues around men because, you know, we don't, we don't go see doctors because we're men, right? And so we did this men's health fair. I said, you know, where we had all these males from all these schools and the community come out and they were getting, you know, their blood pressure checked and, and, you know, making appointments with physicians and things like that. Nobody came, right? There was, there was no news outlets. You know, we had just Mm -hmm. opened up a set of tennis courts, right? We're one of the only schools on the West side of Chicago that has tennis courts because right opportunity. We wanted to make sure our students have access to a sport that not many people in their community know how to play or have an opportunity of playing. There was, there was maybe one news camera there, right? Aww. And so all of these things that we try to self-promote and we push out, um, you know, but nobody really talks about that. And so you're right in the area that we need to figure out ways to, I guess, amplify those voices, right? And maybe those are things that we could do collectively to start to shift those images, Because if we value the work that teachers do, if we see the reality of the things they do, then maybe, maybe if those mindsets shift, then behavior shift, policy shift, you know, and all of those other things, it just, it it, it baffles me, you know, the, the ideas that people have, but maybe you're right. Like those people making decisions are not the ones in the classroom. And if the only information they're getting is from videos of school boards and whatnot, like maybe there's a reason why they have the perceptions that they do. So we just have to get the word out about the positive things that are going on and how ha- listen to the kids, get hear their voices about how they're learning and and what is exciting about it and what the I mean we want them to feel good instead of going home and saying, you know, a, t- a parent asks what what was how was school today? Fine, <laughs> you know. They yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> we want them to be so excited that they just can't wait to tell their parents about what's going on. And I know we can do it again. I know it. I know it. It's just it's changing the way school is too. The problem is we we've been teaching this way for 170 years or something now, and was you know everyone's in the silo and isolated in their classroom and. Um, subjects instead of projects that are integrated and teachers are not working together with other teachers because all the things that they have to do themselves. It's like, I think we're going to come to a time where we're going to have to say, we've got to shake up the system and change some things. And I just, you know, for me, I've been lucky. I went to schools in other countries, so I got to see what's happening. And I, I think we just need to open the doors and Tell the teacher to go next door. Check and see what's going on there. Now can you co-teach something together? Can we work around what we're doing and and 
push ourselves and challenge ourselves so we can challenge the kids. And the main thing I'm concerned about is we've lost critical thinking. We we tend to um, build in compliancy by the the longer they're in school. Mm-hmm. So we don't want kids just to do school just so they can get out of school. We want them to really be motivated to want to learn because this is their, you know, this is their opportunity now. And if they, by the time they're in fourth or fifth or sixth grade, they start losing that motivation, then it's really going to be even harder for any teacher who may be even a good teacher if those kids have lost that motivation. So it's like, it's like a vicious cycle. That, you know, that it is, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I didn't even think about, you know, you, you made that connection, right? This <clears throat> this idea that there are policies being made by people who are not in the classroom, who, you know, are trying really hard essentially to micromanage, right, schools so that they can control the outcomes. And so they're they're ripping this autonomy away from teachers, right? And so though, as you mentioned earlier, <clears throat> that, that, that fun, that teachers would be able to have, right? As, as they're getting creative and developing, you know, these really unique and, and, and dynamic lessons. And then as that's being stripped away, then like you said, then the students are like, well, uh, this is no longer interesting, right? I'm no longer interested in it. If you're doing some of these programs that are out there, you're reading to me from a book, right? You're, you're from this script. Like that is not what I want to do. And so you're you're absolutely right. There's this downward spiral, this cyclical uh, response to the situation, because then when those students aren't doing well, then what happens, right? People are angry. They go to the school board. They're upset with the performance. Those people see it. They're like, oh, we need tighter control and, and on and on it goes. And so, you know, it, I, I always want to ask them, it's like, so what do we do about this? Right. And, and, and I don't know what your thoughts are, but one of the things that immediately came to mind as a challenge. Right. I, I know with educators, we love challenges, like especially in social media, anything we could hashtag, anything we could challenge. But what if what if. Like the teachers, the people listening to the show, what if each person committed, you know, to take one student or a group of students or, or, or just something that they were doing? signed up at a board meeting, not to complain, not to fuss, not to say, oh, I'm so upset. I'm so tired. But what if they took a moment to show up and say, hey, I just wanted to share the amazing work that's happening in my classroom. Hey, I just wanted to introduce you to some amazing students and they're going to share really quick with you some of the amazing, you know, the, the awesomeness that they're doing in our classroom, in our school. And like, what if that became a trend as opposed to I'm signing up because I'm angry. I'm signing up because I'm venting. I'm signing like, what if we really started to overpower that space with positivity? I'm I'm curious. So I, maybe that'll be a challenge that we solicit at the end of this. Oh no! Well, that was built into that project I did in Tampa, and that was really the best. I mean, they filmed it too and put it on the news, which was really cool. So I know we can do it. Another thing I think is that school board members. I mean, there's many good school board members, but they only know what teaching was is like from when they were students. And so everything's changed a lot. I would say that if you're going to be a school board member, you have to visit schools. You have to mm-hmm. 
talk to the kids and you got to find out what they want, where they want to go. You need to sit down with some teachers. And before you make any decisions, you got to know what's going on in your district or, or school. And that's the thing that's concerning me is that there's a disconnect. And I maybe they do that, which I pl- applaud them if they do. But I'm saying that this is hard work. And if you get elected from a community that maybe is angry because they want, you know, they want something for their kids and they might bring someone on who is really charismatic but doesn't really understand what's going on in the schools, they need to go into the schools and see and talk to people. Maybe some things might change. See, I think it's two ways. If we're going to keep the same system, another thing I I push is passion projects, is find a way to bring in projects with the kids. So I know there's capstone projects that kids do for their senior year, but if they do a project every year, it prepares them for that. And then some of those passion projects could be showcased at the school board. I mean, there's, and then share it. In fact, invite the school board members to be part of the audience when they, you know, it's like a dissertation, but like in a way, (laughs) why not bring them in and also invite community members? I I, I don't know how much time we have, but I'm, I'm excited about all this now, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I have one is, um, it is, uh, South, let me see. Is it, um, Harrisburg South Middle School in South Dakota is Darren Elwin is the principal. And he wrote a book with, um, oh gosh, Glenn, it's going to come to me, their names, but they're both principals in different areas. They wrote the school, the book is called The Revolution. It's about changing schools and he changed his school. It's in South Dakota and they made it so kids have a choice every Friday to choose what they'd like to do. And so they call it I choice day. And they, there, there are some things that they have a say in some decision-making about the school and they didn't like desks and they wanted tables, but they couldn't afford it. So they just said, said, what if on Friday we make the desks? <laughs> so the kids made the desks. They got, they found a partner and who paid for the, all the materials and showed them how to do it. And the kids made the desks. I mean, the tables. And so I'm saying it's like, if we give kids a voice in the decisions of their learning and teachers feel like they're more of a co-learner and they're all learning together and coming up with new ways, it's so exciting. (laughs) I mean... Absolutely. I, I, I can't, I, I'm wondering, right? I'm, I'm immediately starting to think about all of the wonderful, beautiful things that could happen, right? If we just kind of put that learning back in, right? Um, and just opened it up and asked students. I, a couple of years ago, I, I did that at our school. Um, we, we had a special that needed to be filled. Um, we didn't have a traditional space or teacher like for, for like another gym class or another music class. And so I had someone who said, Hey, what if we did kind of like, like you mentioned, right? A passion project. And I said, Hey, that, that sounds great. Like, let's run it. Let's see what happens. And 
the things that students came up with, right? And and some of them were kind of quirky, right? Like little kid things like, yeah, you know, one had like this, this hat that had solar panels. So your headphones never died out. So you could always <laughs> listen to your music, right? Little things like that. Oh, I love it. Uh, but but I want you know, one. <laughs> right? Like it's like, oh, I never thought about that. That okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. But someone else talked about building this the shelter, right? For the homeless youth in the neighborhood. Aww. Right. And and how it would operate. And you're kind of like the it really mm-hmm. starts to bring to light some of the things that maybe we assume our students aren't either dealing with or that they're not maybe aware of or they're not cognizant of. Like but they're saying, I'm aware of this, right? And, and so being able to share that and, as you said, bring in the community, right? Bring in these board members. Not only does it make it relevant for the students and steps that up, challenge up a little bit, but now it also showcases, like, this is what we're talking about. The, the students within our school, these are the things they're doing. These are the things that, you know, we're working on. In fact, and I can't say it yet, um, well, I guess I can, right? Because this episode's <laughs> not going to drop until like next week or so. So our school right now, tomorrow we are having this amazing event and we're bringing in exactly that, the community, the media, it's all set up and ready to go. That, you know, the traditional like PBIS stores, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So we're at a high school and we're like, you know, our students are, look, uh, little trinkets, like little things like that. We, that doesn't interest us. Like we need to step it up. And we said, okay, well, what are you thinking about? What do you want to do? And they said, well, what if, what if it was like a store where we can go shopping? We're like, okay, we're listening. Like, but what would you buy? Well, I don't know. But like, like what if it wasn't like just, you know, things from Oriental trading or something, but actual like stuff we can buy. So (laughs) what we did is we partnered with Joe Fresh Goods, this designer that does all sorts of things with like New Balance and other clothing lines. And the Chicago Blackhawks. And tomorrow we are opening a brand new sort of PBIS store where there are specifically designed products that only you can only purchase at our school. You cannot find them at stores. You cannot find them anywhere else across the city because they've been designed by and for our students that they're going to be able to earn points and whatnot. So that way they can go into the store and purchase them. And tomorrow's the grand opening. And the kids are like, they're stoked. And I mean, sure, we could have sat around and tried to come up with what would be great for a PBIS store, right? And we would never have come up with this. We would never have gotten it right. But Mm -hmm. here's a store that they've created, right? They've helped design the products that are in this space. And so the idea like, hey, I'm going to work this much harder. Right. So I can so I can earn my points. I can do these things like and and the fact that these people stepped in. Right. Joe Fresh, the Blackhawks, the community's coming out. And it's now we get to showcase some of that amazingness that's happening in our schools. So it happens like if if you're listening to this, it's possible. Mm -hmm. You just have to sometimes step back and let kids do their thing. Well, it's amazing that I wish I was there. (laughs) I hope (laughs) I hope you take some video and and send it to the local station. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I, yeah. you know, yeah. I, we're hoping that the news is going to be there. They've been invited, uh, but we're already kind of ready because we, we know the patterns, right? When we have mm-hmm. a good news story, like they're like, yeah, we want something a little more juicy. Like this is juicy. 
this is juicy. So we'll see. I know a good thing is we started working with um, our channel two and some of the other stations um, and try to figure out a way where kids could actually work at the station. You know what I mean? Like figure out a way to get the community involved because they need people down the road. So maybe they wouldn't mind, you know, someone interning there or um, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, I just can see it. I mean, I, we had that, that big earthquake in 89 and I was working in a middle school. That's how old I am. I'm starting to tell you (laughs) anyway. um, And I had a video club at at this middle school and I said, you're going to be interviewing people. And I said, uh, we just had this big earthquake, might want to go around and talk to people about it. So I contacted one of the stations and said, is it possible that our kids could have um, actual footage that you have? And they had us bring them down and pick out the footage, and then they all learned how to edit there. I mean, at the TV station. Yeah, yeah. See, See what I mean? It's like... And the other thing, you know, I have the A's, the Oakland A's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I my office was right downstairs um, in the building, and so I used to see the guys going up and down, thinking, "Oh my gosh, they're so cute!" And <laughs> and I so I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask them if they'd like to come to our showcase and uh, give away a few gifts and tell a little story. And they showed up. All you have to do is ask. You'd be surprised what will happen. And when the kids ask, they never say no. It's it's an amazing thing what happens when when we amplify the voices of our students, right? Mm-hmm. And and not mm-hmm. so much focus on our own, how how much things can change on so many on, on so many levels. Um Barbara, I, <laughs> I I know that we we mentioned earlier, right? This this idea like there, there's so many different topics, so many different kind of spin-offs. Um, yeah. and, and I'm sure that we can do a few more episodes, which I'm sure that you and I are, <laughs> our, our conversations are not done. Um, no, but, you know, we went no. into this idea with this conversation about teachers being undervalued, right? We we talked about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, this idea of how they're being perceived within our spaces, especially like within board spaces and politicians, you know, and some ideas about how we can resolve it. And so I... I I would love to present this as a challenge to you. If you're listening to this and you're not happy with the way your profession is being perceived, with the way that it is being showcased or communicated, like what can we do about it? Right. We, we mentioned mm-hmm. bring, bring some of that good news stories to the, to the board meetings, bring the news in. And if you can't get the news in, take the news to, to the news. Like there are so many different ways to showcase that, and we would love to hear your stories. If there's some way that we could help, right? Please let me know. I would love to amplify your voice, and this is the same work that Barbara does. We would love to get those positive, those wonderful stories out there. So, Barbara, I cannot thank you enough for just all of the work that you're doing. For of course being on the show and having this amazing conversation, but just you know, mm-hmm. three as you said, like about three or more than three decades of, of just committing yourself to doing this work and as we talked about before no no intentions on stopping anytime soon so just thank you thank you thank you can i just say one thing of course um several i have a blog 
I have a podcast. And when a teacher reaches out to me to tell me a story about their classroom, I tell them, you can put a blog up on my site if they don't have a blog or they don't have a website. So I've had many teachers share their stories with me. That has been wonderful. I think all of us should offer a space for them to share it or at least help them put their stories out there. Because I think we everybody has some good stories about what's going on in the classroom and they don't have a place to put it or they don't feel like anyone's going to really think it's that great. But they are great. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. I just I know you wanted to end, but I just had to say that. <laughs> no, no, you're 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 absolutely right. And so I we'll, we'll we'll add that as a challenge as well, right? If you have the capacity, if you have the ability to to amplify the voices, right? Go ahead and amplify mm-hmm. the voices of those around you, and that's a beautiful thing about our edu spaces. That's how we got to connect because that is what we try to do. This is not a selfish field. We love one another. We love on one another. And we try to amplify the work that we're doing because in the end, it makes our entire field that much easier, that much better. And that is what we hope to achieve. So Barbara, again, thank you so much <laughs> for being you. in this space. Um, and I'm sure that we will connect soon. Oh, we will. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for listening to the Counter Narrative Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, and of course, share it with friends and family. I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show, so please leave a comment or two as well. Now, I'm not sure what platform you're using, but the show can be found on Anchor, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and plenty of other platforms. If the show isn't on your preferred site, let me know, and I'll be sure to get it up and running. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos, and interviews with educators from around the globe. Be sure to connect with me and other listeners by following the show on Twitter at The CN Podcast and joining the show's Facebook group. Take care.